Hey tennis fans and welcome to another episode of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network and this week we'd like to thank 10XTO, the official athletic club of Matchpoint Canada. I'm flying solo on the pod this week while uh, my co-host Ben Lewis explores the great outdoors in Western Canada. In his place, I'm very excited to be joined by Carson Brandstein. Carson is a Canadian tennis player who just wrapped up a very successful season at Texas A&M, and her past resume includes two junior doubles Grand Slam titles, one alongside Bianca Andreescu, as well as an ITF title she won last fall in Egypt. Carson, great to have you back on Matchpoint Canada. Thank you. I know. It feels great to be back. You have been one of our guests that has become like a, a semi-regular. Like I feel like even going back to before we were officially Matchpoint Canada, before we were the official Tennis Canada podcast, you would come on with us. So it's been really great to see your sort of development uh, as a professional, as a college tennis player. Um, where, where should we start now? I guess with the incredible season that you had for Texas A&M, every time I was looking at social media, it was like another win for Carson Brandstein. Yeah. So maybe you can recap how things went for you this year in Texas. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I finally got to play for people who haven't really followed my career. I've been injured for like nearly three years. Um, honestly, before that, like I, I've always dealt with like a bunch of small things and then turned into the point where I needed surgery, um, multiple times. So then I finally was able just to like sit back and play matches for the whole season, which was great. Um, and I finished off pretty well. Our team, we made it to the elite eight. Um, I was top 10 in the country in singles and I'm an all American. Um, I had a really good record. I, I was winning matches and yeah, I, I can't be happier with how it went, honestly. I'm so happy for you because I know, like you mentioned, every other time we've talked, I feel like that the injury thing kind of takes up a good chunk of our time, uh, whether it's a smaller one or you've had some, some bigger ones that have required surgery as well in the past couple of years. So yeah, just great to see you healthy and what you can do when you're healthy. And I would imagine after all those injuries, you kind of maybe start wondering, can I ever get back to being, you know, the best version of myself on court? Definitely. I mean, I, I definitely had some dark moments through this whole period. Not a lot of people have had um, as many injuries as me, especially at this age. I mean, I, I had three surgeries total. I had surgery on my hip and both of my knees. Um, and it wasn't like there were career ending things. It was just kind of like time and like losing time, seeing your peers playing all these tournaments and being successful when you were right there before it all happened. Um, and that was really tough to go through. And then I just, I don't know, I just took it one day at a time. I was lucky to have the right people around me in those moments. And um, yeah, I just kept going and I woke up one morning and here I am. So did you ever think during that time, like, did it ever cross your mind, even, even just for a, a brief moment of, of perhaps, hey, maybe it's time to, to hang up the tennis racket. Maybe this isn't meant for me long term, whether it's the frustration of having to rehab another injury or just wondering if you'll be the same afterwards. Did, did those kind of thoughts ever cross your mind? I, not like that. I never thought I was done. I had days where I'm like, I don't feel like going to rehab today. I hate it. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be there anymore. And, but no, there was never a, a really a thing in my head where I was like, I can't do this anymore. That never even came close. And I think that was a big part of my recovery because um, my hip surgery specifically um, is like a four to eight month max kind of thing for most people. But mine was to the point where they told me I was going to be out for a year. It was a mess in there. So I did the craziest things to recover. I did every little detail correctly and I was able to get back in half the time. 
um, and not have any issues since no setbacks or anything, which is extremely rare for um, the injury that I had. So I think after seeing like seeing my recovery process like move so quickly and seeing the things I was capable of, that's really what like kept me going. And then I also like did a bunch of other stuff besides tennis that made me really happy that kind of like made the time go by. And you're going to college and pursuing that as well to hopefully potentially set yourself up beyond your playing career as well. I know you've spoken about that in the past. Um, you're on to your third school now this year. Um, and uh, I only went to two post-secondary, so you got me beat. I won't tell you how many years I was at them either. Okay, that's not, not important. But uh, you started at the University of, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started at the University of Southern California, then transferred to University of Virginia, uh, and now at Texas A&M. Uh, my head's spinning just reading all of that. Uh, can you, can you yeah. give listeners who might not be as familiar with, with some of the, the changes there, why we've seen it so many schools in, in such a short time? Right. I mean, first of all, three completely different schools. You can't even really like compare them at all in too many ways. Um, I mean, I don't want to put people down because of course there's some people that have great experiences at the same places or felt the same ways that I did and stuff. But for me specifically, starting at USC, I was a little bit worried from the beginning. Um, in terms of just USC had a lot of their own sort of baggage to deal with before I even arrived. And then once I got there, like as a high level athlete that wants to be professional and that, you know, keeps that mindset through their training, like the way that they handled stuff there and the way that I wanted to be with being an athlete and being a tennis player was not matching at all. And I was like, okay, I want to be a pro tennis player. I want to become a better person and get my education. And they really weren't hitting those marks for me at all. Um, and I wasn't the only one to leave. Like there was a lot of girls who transferred as well. It just wasn't gelling with a lot of people. They didn't have like the, the resources that they used to, to really like develop a player in college. So it just like, and plus, I mean, COVID hit, I was injured. I, I had knee surgery. Um, so I just, I went to the transfer portal and it was all COVID at this point. So I didn't really have options in terms of like visiting and stuff. Right. Right. Um, You'd have to do all that research like online or through word of mouth right. from others, so, I guess. Yes. I didn't have money resources to look and it came down between two schools and Virginia kind of seemed to me at the time, it was like, okay, it's still a great academic university. It's incredible. One of the best in the nation, which is important for me. Great tennis team. The coaches seem nice. The girls seem nice. Like, I'll just go. It's not, it's not USC. Like I I'm getting out of the one um, bad environment. Let's go to this new one, more low key school, I guess. And um, see how that goes. Um, and it honestly it was perfect at first. I had no complaints at the beginning, but I don't like, I don't want to put people down, but this is just my perspective. It's just amazing. The 180 once like you're not at your best the people who are really on your side when you're not able to do what you were there for. Like when you were and, out with injury, you mean? Yeah. I mean, like I did everything I could to, to play. My hip was so bad at that point. I actually ended up tearing my other knee because of my hip. I actually think both of my knees needed surgery because of my hip. My hip was like the number one thing for the longest time. And that's what was causing all my knee problems. And it got to the point where my doctor said, okay, you either get surgery right now, like you should, or you're going to end up injuring something else, or you're going to be in severe pain the entire season. And I was like, I, I can't even put on a pair of shorts, but like hardly by myself right now. Like I can't live like this. I'm sorry. Um, 
And that answer just didn't gel well with a lot of people. And I, it went from me loving the school, thinking it was my dream school, my dream program to feeling even more alone than most people during COVID. I was living by myself, um, doing everything by myself. I couldn't drive. I didn't have a lot of help even getting to my physical therapy. So at that point, I was just like, obviously very frustrated. And like by the end, I was just like, I don't want to go where I don't feel wanted. Right. Because just because I'm injured doesn't take away from the human being that I am. Plus, um, in, in theory, I mean, you would have been there for several years. So you would have hoped on their part, I guess, that they would see the big picture, that they would be getting an even better athlete back because you wouldn't be playing with any of that pain. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just, I, I don't want to go into like every little detail. There's just like so many little small things that were going on. I was just like, this is just not for me at all. So once I went in the portal, I was like, all right, I'm going where there's energy. There is big sports, like sports are everything. The alumni is amazing. The education's still good. And where people fit me morally too. I mean, I'm a Christian. So for me to like be in Texas is great. Um, and my, like, I, I don't know, I found Texas A&M and it seemed like pretty easy to want to come here. So was that the one that stood out above? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you were considering, you know, several others as well. It was, it sounds like an easy choice and that one stood out. Uh, above yeah, once I, Cause I'd known the coach Mark Weaver here for a very long time. Uh, even before I was in college, I knew him because he recruited my older sister actually, even though she didn't end up coming here. So I always had like a good sort of taste of what it was like. And one of my friends from California had gone to Texas A&M and she loved it. Um, everyone I knew that was here loved it. So I was like, okay, that seems like, already one good thing. Um, but the, the part where it gets interesting is that even though I was recovered and I had a million, I mean, I had plenty of options still, people still didn't care about my injuries wanted me. I chose to come to Texas A&M with no scholarship for one semester, this one semester. So it was technically like a walk-on um, for this year, even though I was playing number one. And I have had to learn to work. I have had to learn to grind. I have had to do everything in order to just pay my rent at the end of the month. And if I wanted to go and eat food that wasn't, you know, the athletic dining hall, like I had to pay for that. I had to be an adult. Um, so this whole year has really just been like a year, a learning experience for me. And I like have grown and matured so much as a person. I am like, through the roof, happy with being here. And now well, it's back to normal. Now I'm on scholarships. So, so I was going to say, so now, I mean, that sounds so positive. Firstly, I'm just so happy to hear that things are clicking for you and you found your home. Um, and now because of your performance this year, there are some things that have kicked in that are going to help you out. Is that right? Moving forward? Yeah. I mean, I knew like I was regardless of, I mean, even though I had a great season, like I signed like everything like, okay, yeah. Like once like the first day of summer hits, like you're back to normal, like, scholarship, everything. But I, yeah, I mean, I had to take that risk and um, I was definitely worried and there were stressful days, but it was so worth it to be here. So you've got this place with such a positive vibe and you said big sports culture. Um, what is it at Texas A&M and, and, and what is it, I guess, just in general that makes a college team really work in terms of its vibe? What are the things that you like to check off the boxes that, that make it so conducive for a player to be at their best physically and, and mentally when they step out there? Right. I think it definitely starts with the top. It starts with the leadership of the team, which are the coaches. And our coaches do a really good job at balancing a lot of different personalities and like everyone respects each other and we just go to work. Like it's honestly simple. It doesn't need to be anything complicated. They don't do any of these like team bonding things that no one really wants to do that you're kind of forced to. Like, it's not about that. It's like, hey, come out to the court this time. 
work as hard as you can, get good grades, and then like have at it, have fun, enjoy Texas and uh, College Station. Um, and that's kind of like their mentality through everything and all the girls that they've recruited follow that perfectly. We follow, I mean, we all live with each other. We do everything with each other and we don't have any drama, which is rare for probably most women's teams. Um, yeah. Is there extra pressure on a player like you who's had such success um, from a young age, uh, two-time junior Grand Slam champion? I mean, you're bringing a lot to the table. Is it tough to mesh with teammates at first? Is there a little bit of sort of hesitancy, especially when maybe people saw, hey, she's already been to two schools. Is it difficult to sort of get in there and, or, or was it an easy transition for you? Not really, honestly. Um, the girls on my team are rare cases. They are the sweetest group, group of girls. And even though they're, most of them are from Texas or a few of them, even though we're from all different places and stuff, it wasn't like that coming in. They didn't like look at me like, oh, wow, you've transferred twice. Like why? They kind of saw the big picture pretty quickly. And I think after like seeing them and sort of knowing a couple of them before I was at AM made it like not really a big deal. We, we we're just all happy to be together and that, you know, I could possibly bring something really good to the team on and off the court. Now, Texas, tell me a little bit what that's what that's like. I've never been, but really? uh, yeah. have you got a cowboy or cowgirl hat now? Have you got the boots? I mean, you pick it um, up. The I, have boots. I do yeah. have boots, um, but they're hand-me-downs for my mom. My mom randomly had boots, but yes, I do have a pair of leather boots. Um, I mean, country music is definitely a, a thing here, which is not completely my vibe, but uh -huh. I don't mind it at all. People you've added that. Fine. You've added that to the playlist now. I lots guess. of trucks, lots of trucks driving around. I think my favorite part is the fact that the parking spots are so big that you never have to think about parking. It's the easiest thing in the world. Um, definitely different from LA, where I'm used to. Um, yeah, no, I love Texas. Is this going to be a long-term thing then? Do you see finishing off your degree before deciding to potentially then go pro full-time or whatever decision you make next, do you think you're going to see out? Or is it a year-by-year -year kind of thing and then reevaluate? Uh, I'm pretty keen on finishing my degree or at least like finishing next season because of my transfers. I'm technically a little bit behind with classes. So it would take for me to be like, like next summer, I think is technically when I'd graduate. Um, but I'm kind of just taking it moment by moment. If my professional tennis career is not taking off the way I want it to in like a pretty short period of time, I'm not going to like throw myself out there when I have this place. First of all, it's an incredible training base and I'm getting everything taken care of and it's not like I'm unhappy. So yeah, I guess I would say it's more of a year by year thing, but I'm definitely going to stay for next season unless the summer turns into the summer of my life, which of course I would hope for that. But And I'm when you gonna... say that, you know, if this summer turns out to be the summer of your life, you mean in terms of the professional level, ITF, what have you, tournaments that you're planning on playing? Is that if I'm reading you right? Yeah, yeah. it's like a 99% chance I'll, I'll be back at AM for the next season in the fall. Do you feel the pull though? I mean, you must look at the rankings on the WTA and see, you know, girls, women that, that you played with when you were younger who are making it as professionals, some in the top 100. I mean, Bianca, case in point, the two of you, Grand Slam doubles partners and, and such great friends off the court too. I mean, that's obviously a high-end example, but even others that you've played with or played against and beaten that you see having success as professionals, does that make you kind of feel the pull to go and do that sooner? Or does it just give you the confidence that when you go there, you feel like you're going to be in the right spot. Right. It's, it's definitely a confidence booster. Uh, I think for me, honestly, I mean, before 
college when I was still with TC full-time and traveling injuries and my health have always been my setback. It's never been the tennis. It's never been my work ethic. It's never been any of those kind of things. It's injuries. That's what's killed me for the longest time. And I think if I could continue to like build on where I'm at now, because if I'm being completely honest, I didn't really train that much. Even in the fall, I won that tournament in Egypt. I didn't train at all before that. I just wasn't injured. So I went out there and won a tournament with practicing like 20 minutes a day before I couldn't believe it. Um, and then once I got to AM, I didn't really have time to train that much either. I kind of just got here, practiced a few days, and the season started. So I didn't really like have time to get to like the nitty-gritty, like strength and footwork and more flexibility and all that stuff. Um, so I think as long as I'm able to keep going on this track and keep building from where I am now and, and above and beyond, I'll be able to reach a, a physical fitness level that I've never been at in my life, even considering the sex, the, like the success that I've had. Second, I'm more mature. I think my tennis game is honestly way better than it was when I was younger because I mean, I can move. So there's a lot of shots I can actually hit now that I couldn't, um, so I think, yeah, the sky's the limit for me. I, I'm definitely confident in terms of tennis. It's just my health. If my health is there, then I think um, I can do anything. It's my yeah, game. That's, that's terrific. Um, what, what is the short-term and long-term plan this spring, summer? You're still in Texas right now, I take it. So are you finishing off some courses? Is there some school stuff to do? At what point do the tournaments kick in? And where can we expect to sort of follow your progress on court? I'm taking summer courses now, training in College Station with the people here, some teammates, coaches, everything. Um, then I'll be heading to Canada probably around July 12th or 10th, maybe a little bit earlier, just depending on a couple things, but it'll go start in Saskatoon, then to Rogers Cup, Vancouver, Granby, that whole string of tournaments. So that's my plan for now. Gotcha. So uh, back in July training, where will your training base be in Canada when you come up here? Like, where will you start or where are you going to sort of That's kind of where I'm on the fence. So that we're going to have like a little college group, actually. And um, I'm going to start in Saskatoon. I guess we're going to do like a mini block in Saskatoon for like five days. Um, and then if I were to go earlier, I'd go to Montreal before. Right. Now, don't forget, though, that the women are here in Toronto this summer. So I know. I and, know. Don't, and don't forget the new rebrand. It's the National Bank Open. So uh, that changed last year, too. Oh, my gosh. That's right. I keep calling it Rogers Cup. I'm I like, do the same thing. And sometimes me and Ben have I to like, re-record re like, because we said Rogers be Cup. But. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm always going to like think of it as Rogers Cup. It's like in my engraved in my soul. So <laughs> but the National Bank Open, I will be playing. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I think I'm doing pre-qualifying for singles and then hopefully we'll have an exciting doubles team come around again right you got any uh inside uh sort of word or anything you can hint at right now in terms of, of that or yeah I, I mean me and bianca talk of course we I've, the, we can't just walk in there and say like hey can we have a wild card in the doubles when i <laughs> i haven't played a pro tournament in doubles even though i did amazing in doubles this year in college i mean bianca hasn't played much dubs um but in a perfect world yeah hopefully we play that's yeah. that's the goal well, between you and me and anyone who's listening, I can't see them saying no to the two of you if you pull up asking for a wild card, that. of course. And I hope so. We'd love to see that too. You guys always had so much fun on court, even just in practice. I love watching you guys here. So um, I'm sure you're looking forward to it. I mean, the pandemic has really screwed things up the last couple of years, plus your injuries. Um, I haven't seen you uh, play up here in quite some time. So happy to hear that all those tourneys are on your, your schedule. Uh, you've been following the Canadian crew and, and how they've been doing so far this year. You've been keeping in, in contact with any of them? 
Uh, honestly, I haven't been following it well. I've been so busy with my own bubble. It's just been crazy. I always follow Bianca. I see what, I see what she's doing. The guys I haven't really looked in too much. Um, yeah, as long as B is doing well, I'm happy. Like I, I'm just happy to see her out there. That's the the best part for me. Have you talked to her oh, much and, since? And Becca and Be Rebecca Marino too. I love when she's doing well. I and both of those are such great stories with what they've had to go through and and coming back to the tour. And uh, Marino, I think, just qualified for a grass court tournament today or yesterday. Uh, and she's been playing some of the best tenants of her life, which is amazing considering all the years that she took off there in between. And uh, and for Bianca, of course, taking the six months off to sort of refocus and, and you know, mentally just feel better in a better place. Um, yeah, have you talked to her much at all since she's been back on tour or leading up to that coming back to tour? Yeah, I did have one long FaceTime call with her right around when she was going to play her first tournament. And just to hear her voice and like the things that she did to kind of get her mind where it is now is pretty cool, honestly. Uh, Bianca has always been a very spiritual girl. And the way that she was kind of talking about her experiences and the things that she did and how happy she is just to be on court. Not that she was never unhappy, but just taking care of like a few things that were sort of shoved under the rug when you make it so early at such a young age, like being so successful. It's kind of like, ah, like there's no time just to sit back and like, look, like, this is what I do. This is what I have to do, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, she, she's done a lot of maturing in her own ways that she thought that she needed. And, um, I think that we're going to see, like be seeing her, her results be just as good and better. Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Um, I'm going to put my questions aside for a moment and, uh, we did reach out on social media on uh, Twitter and uh, on Instagram. And we are out there at Matchpoint Can on Twitter, at Matchpoint Canada on Instagram. And uh, we are the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We get a lot of uh, promotion from them as well. So you can find us just about everywhere. But we got some uh, questions, so I'm going to put them to you here. And the first one is from Jay Lane, who asks, are there any areas of your game that were better prior to injury? And if so, how do you remain confident in your abilities to make it back to full form? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think maybe before, like the only thing that I, I find like comical with being back now versus then is I was really good at like putting things away when I was in pain. So I didn't like mess around that much. Now I'm like, oh, okay, like maybe I'll hit like an extra ball or something. Cause like, I'm not in pain. Like well, my Carson, no, two years ago, you would have just hit it, like hit that as hard as you can because you didn't have a choice. Um, <laughs> I still have that mentality, but sometimes I just think it's funny or I would just go for the craziest things and nail it a lot of times because that's all I could do. Just trying to, to end the point it. earlier. Yeah, to I would end limit the point your time. Early and I'd hit these like slap shots that I remember Simon LaRose specifically would be like, Carson, please don't do that. And then I would like do it a point later and make it. And he would just go on the side and be like, Oh my goodness, Carson. <laughs> and that just encouraged you to do it more. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still do it. I think I'm a little bit smarter now, but I kind of miss being able to have like zero fear whatsoever with those kind of shots. Now I, I actually like play tennis a little bit more. Well, even you said, you said you've been maturing. So there, there you go. Right. Yeah. Although still only what, 22 years old. 21. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. You're still just a kid. All right. Um, next question. From Ari, who asks, and this is kind of like a general question, but what inspired you to play tennis at this level? And I think what he meant was like, what inspired you to play tennis at the highest level possible? I love the individuality of tennis. I'm very much 
don't like to be told what to do all the time kind of person. I, I'm very kind of a little bit of a control freak, like type A sort of person. So like that bar of tennis, I really love. Um, but the culture, especially around tennis, is something I think is the most special thing about this sport. The global, the global side, traveling different places and going to different places of the world, but having a purpose going there. If I go to Italy, wherever I want to go, Italy, Australia, the UK, like I'm going there for a job and people are going there to watch you. And I'm this, you know, American Canadian girl that got really good at something and worked hard and people want to go and watch you see it. And I think that's really cool with tennis. Um, I, I, there's so many things I can say about why I love tennis, even, you know, the outfits I loved when I was little, I loved like, <laughs> you know, like getting my little tennis outfits, the rackets, the, my friends, all my best friends have come from tennis. Just makes you want to have it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, final question here is from Nina Pantic, actually, who is on my side of things in terms of being a tennis journalist. And uh, she works with Universal Tennis. And so her question was, what's it like being a Universal Tennis ambassador? So I'll give you the little plug there for, for them. Uh, it's great. Honestly, working with Nina has been awesome. Nina, you're the best. Um, you know, it's definitely cool. Universal Tennis is like really like getting their foot in the door of tennis. Honestly, more than that now, they have so many tournaments and like presence at everything it seems like um so it's been a cool experience to be part of uh their growth and see where utr will go right on there you go nina if you're listening i did that for you okay um well that wraps up our online questions um before i let you go uh, i just want to ask so you've got these tournaments planned for this summer been a while since you played any itfs or what have you uh you set out any goals in terms of what you're looking to accomplish or or how you'd like things to to look by the time you go back to college in the fall yeah i mean i haven't played pro tournaments at this level either the ones in the fall were just 15k so they didn't really feel like i didn't feel pushed really even the matches i lost i was like meh i haven't trained um but this is the first time I'm really going to play some girls are going to be higher level who have put in the work for a consistent, like consistent amount of time. I'm interested, interested to see like how I feel obviously health wise and physically, but kind of just where my game is in terms of like the maturity part that I really think I've started to get to, um, and translating that into like my older healthy self. Um, it's also hard taking college matches into consideration too, because there's so many other factors with college tennis, like, I lost some matches, but there's things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. I think that would make me not lose those matches if they're on the pro tournaments, you know, like I have school to deal with. I was working. I work part-time for a lawyer. I'm a, I'm pre-law and a philosophy major. I'm literally working for a lawyer part-time, like a normal human being. Um, I had classes to deal with. I was in a new environment. There's so many like little factors. I think I, I was just exhausted and now I don't have to think about that anymore so I think just going out there and enjoying myself is going to be the biggest thing and goal yeah um, you just focus right on the tennis and that's right it, you know, exactly it's the first time in such a long time I've been able just to focus on the tennis I think just building and, and seeing where I'm at and seeing the new things I can do I, I'm not going to like say oh I want to go and win this tournament do I think I can like of course I think I have the level but I'm not going to go and like put that kind of pressure on myself I'm just happy to be out there be back in Canada and um, I'm going to play really hard I'm going to play with a lot of heart and see where I can go well we're super pumped to see it back out there as well I'm so happy that things worked out the way they did for you this year um, feeling confident for you this summer and hey you'll have to 
drop by our booth at the National Bank Open and uh, sit down and chat with me and Ben and, and tell us about how hopefully how great your summer's been going. Okay. Definitely. I'll see you guys okay. there. Awesome. Well, that is Carson Brandstein. Thanks again to her for taking the time to join us. I'd like to thank 10XTO again, the official athletic club of Matchpoint Canada. You have been listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We will talk to you next time. Thank you.